Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We are so glad you've joined us today. If you have been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks for joining us this week, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. Amen. As we've already mentioned, Pastor David's going to be bringing the word. He is the General Superintendent of the Canadian Assemblies of God, which is our fellowship of churches that we are a part of. And so, Pastor David... We want to give you a warm Western welcome as he comes to bring the Word of God. Well, the first word is wow. What a change in the building and in the, the, the congregation. Your praise, your worship, your participation in the service is amazing. And thank you for the pastor and his wife and the leadership that's doing such a great job here. It's wonderful. It's like you said, it's much better to be here than the best hospital here in the city. So God is with us, and we're so grateful for his presence in our midst. Thank you so much for all that you do. The church helps us to supports our ministry, and we're very grateful. I want to give a report of some things that have happened. When we're not in Canada, and when we are in Canada, our home is in Montreal, and when we're there, we help out in the church uh, over there. When we travel... Many times it's in Europe, often it's in Italy. Let me tell you something that happened over there. A few years ago, the Lord had given me a message on the importance of believing. And, and I found it in the last chapter of Mark. That's not the message for today. The last chapter of Mark, when, when Mary Magdalene discovered that Jesus was alive, she came and told the disciples, and the Bible said they didn't believe her. I said, that's strange. And then two other fellas, those are two guys on the way to Emmaus in Luke chapter 24. They told Jesus, uh, rather the disciples, and they didn't believe them. I said to myself, excuse me, this is the most important thing in the history of mankind, his own disciples. And then Jesus came and rebuked them, not because they abandoned him, not because they went back fishing, not because they were discouraged. He rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart. So the greatest sin really is unbelief. Well, you finish Mark chapter 16, you start in Luke. And in Luke, the Bible says that an angel called Gabriel appears to a priest whose name is Zacharias. And he says, your prayers have been answered. You're going to become a father. Now, he'd been married for a long time. He was a priest. His wife was the daughter of a priest. They were godly people, God-fearing, sin-hating, praying people, asked for a child, never got the child. Years went by. They forgot they prayed. The angel says, you'll become a father. He was doubtful. He said, how could it be? I'm an old man. I thought to myself, what about Abraham? He didn't, he didn't think of Abraham somehow. Here's what the angel says. Because you didn't believe, you're going, to remain, you're going to remain mute, unable to speak until the baby's born. That's the story. That's part of the message. Several years later, I was in the same area of Italy. It's in the Naples area. And... and this couple comes up to me, says, you know, this is not our church. We, we belong to the church where you preached on the importance of, well, he said, here's what they said. You preached on John the Baptist. I didn't. 
And we were married already for several years without children. But God, that morning, God helped us to believe. Now, just to tell you, to have children, you have to not only believe, other things that you have to do. You're supposed to smile now. <laughs> and we have two children. Where are they? Well, here he is. He, he's five years old, and she's four years old. Oh, praise God. I was alone then. The next year, I'm in another church, and Lena's with me. Same thing happens. After the service, this couple comes and says, we were in the service when you preached on John the Baptist. And we didn't have any children. But somehow we received that word for ourselves. I want you to know we have two children. He's six, and she, the kids are running around church. He's six, and she's five. I said, isn't that wonderful? The scripture said God's word never returns. It always accomplishes the purpose for which it hath been sent. So I just want to tell you that part of what, how you help us is bearing fruit and bearing children. And so that's a wonderful thing. Uh, some of the leadership know that we had an unusual experience last month. Boy, it seems so long ago. But we were invited by the Congress in the States to attend what's called the National Prayer Breakfast, where the president is. And, and uh, I accepted, and we went, and it was an amazing experience. The breakfast takes place on a Thursday morning, and, and um, there's over 2,000 people there. Here's some interesting things. By the way, that was Thursday morning. On Wednesday, lunch and supper, there were functions and Thursday lunch and supper. So there are five encounters. I was telling the brethren, the only difference between those encounters and a church service, no offering. It was church. So here's, let me just tell you about the breakfast. The breakfast, um, they were senators. Well, it was, every meeting was presided by a Republican and a Democrat. Senators. And I know, they said, you hear there's a lot of fighting going on in division, but we pray together every Tuesday morning. And every Tuesday morning, one of the senators shares his story, chooses the scripture to read, and we pray. And then every Tuesday evening, we have supper together. Not the whole Senate, just those who are willing to come. And, and, um, they told us that to say, do the same thing. Go back to your country and do the same thing that we are doing. Basically, they invite people from around the world. They invite diplomats and politicians and ambassadors and Muslims and Buddhists and Shaolin monks and atheists. They had the grandson of Mao Zedong. He's responsible for 400 million young people in China. He has his doctorate, you ready for this? In atheism. I says, who in the world? Oh, that's the University of Beijing, all right. And, and the point is, all these people come, but from the podium, only one name is spoken about. It, it was just amazing. Now, at the breakfast, Chris Tomlin was there, so he led the praise and worship. And, and it was wonderful to see people, people all around me with their hands up and worshiping God and singing and on the podium as well. 
And, and when everything was, it was, it was a lot, there's a lot. When everything was over, the two senators who were presiding said, now, the, the Secret Service doesn't want any one of us to move. You must be seated. But before you're seated and the president leaves, we want to pray for him. President, would you mind if we, and he comes, and, and, and it was not a written prayer, two extemporaneous prayers, one from a Republican, one from a Democrat, and they prayed over him. That night, the Republican senator presided in the evening lunch, uh, evening meal and, and meeting, and he said, you know, as I was coming here tonight, I got a call from the senator, from the president. So he says, you know, when the president calls, you have to answer. I answered. And we talked about whatever we had to talk about. Then I asked him, how did you feel the breakfast went this morning? He said, the part I loved the best was when you prayed for me. Please keep praying for me. So that's a bit of politics right there, but that's, that's what's happening. Then <clears throat> the evening luncheon, I'm saying luncheon all the time, the evening meal was a bit less informal than all the other meetings that we had, and Chris Tomlin was there in his jeans and jacket or whatever, and so this senator introduced him again. He did in the morning, he did at night, and he said all kinds of things about him and, uh, and how, how the senator was on a mission trip in Africa a few years ago, and he was on this bus, those special type of bus that really seat 12. We were already 25. And the guy was saying, more people could come and come. And when everybody came in, then they pushed in the cassette, and guess who it was? Chris Tomlin singing. And he said, we used one of his songs to wake up the astronauts as well. So he went on like that. Chris Tomlin comes. Pastor, you'll love this part. He says, I was 18 years old. I knew three songs. I got a call from someone to sing at a youth convention, it was a whole week long youth convention. And I only had three songs. So I thought, well, I sing them over and over again. He said, but a month before the convention, this fellow James with a very deep voice calls me and says, um, I don't know you, but I understand that you're singing at this convention. How many songs do you know? I said, three. Three. I'm preaching there. Listen, I'll send you some songs. Learn them so that when you come to the convention, whatever. So he did. Here's what he said he did. He wrote them out on pieces of paper, and he lined up the songs on the floor in the platform, and he went with, with his microphone, stood there, stood there, stood there, stood there, stood there, stood there, and sang the songs. When it was over, he said, this preacher came to me. He says, you know, I get the feeling you don't know what you're doing. But I want to pray for you. Here's what he says. I want to ask God to give you songs that your generation will sing. He prayed for me, prophesied over me. He said, 35 years later, I'm singing at the National Prayer Breakfast, and he's the senator that introduced me. So that's what God did. It was wonderful. One more story? Say yes. Rita, the first person to speak that evening was the president of Ghana, hardcore Christian. It, it was amazing. But I want to tell you about the person who spoke after. 
after him. The senator introduced, you probably don't recognize her name, but you've heard about her. She's a pilot. And he said a bit more, and here's what happened. So she comes on the platform, attractive lady. She walks around. Here's what she's doing. As she's walking around, she's putting pieces of paper on the floor. She says, well, if Chris Thomas could do it, I can do it. She was the pilot that about a year or less ago was a pilot for Southwest Airlines. They took off from Philadelphia. A few minutes in the air, she said, we hit a Mack truck. One of the engines exploded. Pieces went into the fuselage. One of the passengers was half hanging out of the plane. She told quite a story. She has quite a testimony. She's a born-again Christian. And, and you know, we are from the Judeo-Christian background, and every life is important. I know 147 were saved, but I wanted a whole 148 to be saved. And that lady died. And she, she told quite a moving story. And, and basically, during her talk, on the screen was her conversations with the air traffic control people who couldn't believe what they were hearing from her. And, and she had a story because she was born in New Mexico and not far from her farm was a big Air Force base and she dreamed of being a pilot. And, every and when she was old enough and she tried to join, everybody said no to her. Now it sounded strange to us because you're a woman, you shouldn't be a pilot. Uh, today, you just can't say that. But, and they kept saying, no, 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 no. Finally, the Navy took her. And, and she became a pilot, and she passed all the tests, and she was the first to fly the F-35 and whatever. But there were still people against her. And so one of the leaders said, no, you're not going to train. What we're going to give you is the job to train pilots when they have problems flying. What a blessing. They didn't know what they were doing for me. I was able to learn every possible problem you can have flying a jet. And all that worked to my benefit when I was flying that Southwest jet. She said, we were fighting. It wanted to tip to the left and turn over the whole time we were flying after, after that explosion. And we fought with all the strength God gave us to keep it steady. Here's what she said. But we radioed Philadelphia and said, we're going to land. And we told the passengers, we're going to land. You know, when you have hope of something, it keeps you, no matter what you're going through in life. If you have hope that something good is going to happen, you can live. And that was the hope we gave our passengers. We're going to land. And we did. It was an amazing, it was tremendous stories and from senators that you think they have it all together and they tell the story of their life and they always ended with Jesus and what he did for me, he can do for you. It was amazing. I sat with um, the pastor of uh, the Times Square Church. Second time it happens. He remembered, I remembered. So I asked him, would you come to our churches? Anytime you want. Just wanted you to know. Anytime you want, I'll come. So thank the Lord. So praise the Lord. That's, that's the introduction. Yeah. Now, when we were here, I ended up 
um, getting my, my heart uh, fine-tuned. I just want you to know it's working well, and I'm, I'm very grateful. A couple years ago, I got um, a new knee, and that's doing great, too. I got the suit from Sicily, the shirt from Pennsylvania, um, the shoes from Naples, but the word of God from heaven. Amen. So, <clears throat> oh, so I'm sitting at this breakfast. You didn't think that was finished, did you? And I see this, the, I'm sitting there with the, the pastor, and this young lady, very attractive lady, walking by with an older lady, whatever. She ends up sitting behind me. So when, at a certain point, when the president came in, we had to stand up. So we turn around, shake hands, and it's her. And I hear her speaking Italian. And, I, and then I see when we were singing, she had her hands up. Well, I found out that the lady that was with her, I know her husband very well. And, and you know who she was? Want to hear? Say yes. She was Italy's contestant to Miss Universe. So I got it right, right? So I said, well, look, she's Miss Universe. I married Miss Canada. So I just wanted to say, <laughs> Lena, if you want to come and, and greet the church or just stand up and, okay. I'm going to speak this morning with God's help and Lena's forgiveness from um, the book of Philemon. Before we read it, let me tell you about the book. First of all, it is Paul's shortest letter in the New Testament, only 25 verses. This book of Philemon, we probably don't hear about it often. It really is a deep revelation of Christ's work in the lives of the Apostle Paul and those around him. Here's what it says. It reveals how Paul probably... Had, had to address a very difficult situation. Two people that he loved, two people to both of whom he led to the Lord, two people from a very different financial background were not getting along. Something happened, and Paul had to write to them and encourage them, especially the wealthier one, to extend forgiveness. This epistle presents the supernatural power that comes only from Jesus Christ to bring healing to broken lives, to bring salvation to a runaway sinner, and to bring forgiveness to a fractured relationship. It's only Christ's example of forgiveness through the cross that we're able to, to overcome our hurts, our mistakes, and be reconciled to our brothers and sisters. The main characters in this short book are one, the Apostle Paul. Paul was a persecutor of the church. Now he became a preacher of the gospel. His goal in the book is to help heal this fractured relationship between two very different men, both of whom at different stages in their life, coming from different circumstances, were led to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ through the Apostle Paul. We're introduced to a man called Philemon. He was converted under Paul's ministry. He lived in the city of Colossae. Actually, the Colossian church, 
met in his house. There was a very close relationship between Paul and Philemon. They prayed for each other. They loved and trusted each other. They respected each other. And that characterized their friendship. Philemon, it's strange for us to, today to say this. Philemon was a slave owner. Now the slaves in those days were not necessarily people from one particular continent. He was a slave own owner. It was accepted economically and socially in the Roman Empire. A slave was the master's property without any rights under the Roman law. Runaway slaves could be severely punished, even condemned to death. Slave uprising in the first century many times, happened many times, and so caused the owners of slaves to live very suspicious lives. Unhappily, Philemon, who was a believer, never led his slave to the Lord. The other day, a young man came to church. He was invited by a friend of his. I'm not going to come back here anymore. Why? Did you like the I love the service. But I saw more than one person in that service that I know that are friends with me, and they've never spoken to me about the Lord. Okay, back to slave thing. While, while the early Christian church did not directly attack the institution of slavery, it did reorder the relationship between master and slave. Listen to this verse. It's in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. I'm not sure if it's going to be up there or not. Here's what it says. Galatians 3, verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave or free. There's neither male or female. For you're all one in Christ. So the New Testament does not condemn slavery, but now it brings it to another level. It makes us understand, listen, in God's eyes, there's no difference. It's like the... The military doctor. When you see the military outside his office, they all have uniforms, and if they're generals, they have all these stripes. When the doctor sees them, they're wearing their birthday suit, and there's no difference to him. And that's how God is. He doesn't see the way we see. The other thing that the New Testament tells us is that everyone, no matter their position in life, is accountable for their behavior before God. I want you to look with me in um, Ephesians chapter 6. I'm not sure if it's going to go up there or not, but let me find it here. Start to read at verse 5. Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, 
with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart as to Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is slave or free. We're all going to give an account. We're all going to be rewarded. doesn't matter where you are in life. And you masters... Do the same things to them, giving up threatening. Knowing that your own master also is in heaven. You got your master, you got a master. And there's no partiality with him. Isn't that amazing? Finally, my brethren. Oh, okay, it's finally. We finish at nine. So this short letter of Philemon, Philemon introduces us to Paul, to Philemon. And then to another fella. His name is Onesimus. That's a good password, by the way. <laughs> be a hard time to figure that one out. His name means useful, profitable. He was one of Philemon's slaves. He fled from Philemon's property. And he ended up in Rome. He probably either damaged some of Philemon's property or stole something. In Rome, he comes into contact with the Apostle Paul, who was in prison for the first time in Rome. And Paul leads him to Christ. That's the background. Let's read now Philemon chapter 1, which is the only chapter in the book. Holy Spirit, help us this morning. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. It doesn't say Paul, a prisoner of Caesar. It doesn't say Paul, a prisoner of the Roman Empire. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer. See how Paul puts himself, same level. He's our my friend, and we're both laborers in the kingdom of God. To the beloved Apphia, a sister in the church, Archippus, our fellow soldier. Boy, it's not just the Salvation Army that has soldiers. The church... We are soldiers in God's army. By the way, these names, you'll find them written in the letter that Paul wrote to the Colossian church. And in the church in your house. So that's how we know Philemon had a church meeting in his house. I know that you have house meetings here. It's a wonderful thing. Many Pentecostal churches over the years began in people's houses. And from the houses grew, and God blessed, and God saved, and healed, and baptized, and delivered, and church congregations were born. It's great to pray with others in a house. Verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers. Would you underline that verse? Number one, when you pray for people, don't forget to thank God for them, even your enemies. 
Secondly, it says he makes mention of him. And pastor, I pray for all the pastors in the world. What about for me? By name. Pray for your pastor by name. Here's what he says. I thank God making mention of you. Don't be shy to name people as you're praying. Especially private prayers, your home prayers. You know, praying is, it's really what God said would be his house. He didn't say my house shall be called a house of preaching. He didn't say my house will be called a house of singing. He said my house will be called what? A house of prayer. Paul says pray without ceasing. How do you do that? Here's an example. How many drive? Most of us. I remember once we were pastoring a church right near a hospital in Boston. And the Mass General was the biggest hospital on the East Coast. And ambulances went by. And we thought, wait a minute. There's somebody in that ambulance. Let's just say a prayer for them. Stop the preaching. Let's pray. And now we do it driving. Anytime I see an ambulance, I think there's either, either going to pick up someone or bring someone to the hospital. And then we graduated. Wait a minute. Why don't we pray the next time we, he- we see an ambulance, especially around here, and before they get to the hospital and, and up on Finch, say, Lord, would you put it in the heart of those drivers to say, look, there's a Pentecostal church just down the street on Weston Road. God heals people in that church. Why don't we bring them there first? Wouldn't it be wonderful that they would come when ambulances would start driving up to the parking lot of the church and bringing the sick in and the sick would be healed in Jesus' name? Making mention of you always in my prayers. Lena used to work in a school. And ever since then, anytime we drive by a school or there's a crosswalk and the kids are crossing, or we drive by school and it's recess or lunch and they're playing in the yard. We stop the car and pray for them. Who knows who, who these kids are? Who are their parents? In school, she found kids coming with dirty nails. No lunches. They never got washed after school the day before. Our church in Brantford, God's given them open doors in schools. So they go there and they bring breakfasts. And, the, and because it's working so well, and these kids who don't eat at home in the morning and are eating now in school and their grades are going up, the principal said, you can speak about the Lord. Making mention of you always in my prayers. Look at verse 5. Hearing of your love and faith which you have towards the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. Isn't that wonderful? So that church in Philemon's house had a great reputation. It was a praying church. It was a loving church. It was a church of faith, a church that prayed for believers not only in their congregation, but in other congregations, in other areas of the world. Look at verse 6. That the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. All the blessings, 
all the riches that God is giving you in your personality and your character. Let it shine. Let people see what God is doing in your life. Not showing off, but letting your light shine. Verse 7. We have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Isn't that wonderful? People talked about this guy. He, he really encouraged me. I really feel blessed. Now Paul's going to get to the subject now. He just, that's how you do it, right? You don't go and punch the guy right away. You, you, you prepare him for the punch. Okay, here it is now, verse 8. Therefore I thought I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting. Now he doesn't do it, by the way. Listen to this. Commanding is in the Old Testament. Beseeching is in the New Testament. The Old Testament, do this. New Testament, Brethren, for the love of God, I, I, I implore you, brethren, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice unto God, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service. And don't allow the world to squeeze you into its own mold, but be transformed through a metamorphosis of your mind. You may prove what is that good, that acceptable will of God. He says, I could, I could command you, Look at verse 9. But for love's sake, I rather appeal to you. See the difference? Not commanding. I appeal to you. Being such a one as Paul, the aged, and now also a prisoner of Christ, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus. That's another thing. Um, you, when, when, when you lead people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, it's like your, they are your spiritual children. So you, you've got a responsibility there. He calls him his son, whom I be, have begotten while in my chains, and while I was a prisoner. Somehow, the Bible doesn't tell us how, somehow Onesimus finds Paul. Paul realizes he's not saved. Onesimus may have told him the story right away. The Bible doesn't say. But Paul does lead him to the Lord. Look at what he says. I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you. But now he's going to, to live up to his name, which means profitable. But now is profitable to you and to me. Look at verse 12. You know the interesting thing is? You know who brought this letter to Philemon? Onesimus. He's bringing his appeal for, for not knowing what's in the letter. I don't think he, know, he knew. He's giving it to Onesimus. I am sending him back. You therefore receive him that is my own heart. Now, there was this tremendous relationship between Paul and Philemon. And he's saying, when you receive him, do it as if you're receiving me. Now, Philemon must have been burning up about this guy. 
But now he's reading this, and he must see some comment. He wants to hear, please take this first. So he begins to unfold the thing and starts reading it. Look what Paul says, verse 13. Whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. So he was helping Paul. He was serving Paul somehow. I really wanted to keep him, but I knew there's something had to be repaired. Look at verse 14. But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing. That's good for pastors to hear. You don't do it alone, right, pastor? We share. You have an idea. You have something you feel God gave you. Tell your leadership. Tell your church. Don't do it alone. We're not dictators. We're servants. The greater the leader, the greater the servant spirit that that leader has. He says, but without your consent, I wanted to do nothing that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. So if you do this, I know you're agreeing with me and you're getting in the spirit. Verse 15. Perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever. He ran away. Now he's coming back. And this time the relationship is going to be different. Verse 16, no longer as a slave, more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? Salvation changes so much. Being born again changes a person's total outlook Changes how he sees things, how he speaks, how he acts. The relationship now is... Years ago, I read, I, read, I read the story of this guy from... His name was Charles Blair. And, in, you know, um, he was very poor. He was in the state of Colorado. And... Um, he ended up in Denver, and, and he, he, uh, he got a job in a shoe store. He was very poor. One day, when the boss wasn't there, he stole a pair of shoes. And um, anyway, he brought them home. Around that time, there was a tent set up not far from his house where they preached the gospel. Well, Charles Blair went there, got saved. They gave him a Bible. That when you go home, before you go to bed, read the Bible. Sit on the edge of the bed, read the Bible, kneel down and pray, then go to bed. He said, that first night I went home, I did what they said. I sat on my bed, I put on my pajamas, I put my shoes under the bed, those shoes. And I began reading the Bible. All of a sudden, those shoes felt like a yard long or a meter long, plus three inches. And then, man, what am I going to do? Well, he knew he had no choice. He had to go back and tell. The, he did. You know what happened to him? The guy made him the manager because of his honesty. Paul is telling Philemon, bring him back. 
forgive him. Your relationship is going to change. He'll be a slave, maybe, but he's going to be much more than that. No longer a slave, verse 16, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and the Lord. Look at verse 17. If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. It makes me think a bit of the story of uh, the Good Samaritan. Look what it says. If he has wronged you or owes you anything, put it on my account. That's what the guy did, right? I'll pay for it. That's something else. That's, that's, uh, that's something else. Paying somebody else's debt. It's a, the Christian life is an amazing life. The world can't understand it. It's an amazing life. I, Paul, I'm writing with my own hand. I will repay. Then, then he puts it in, not to mention, you owe me a lot more, though. So just cancel that bill. You owe me a lot. You, you even own, owe me yourself. Who knows the condition that Philemon was in when Paul led him to the Lord. Verse 20. Yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. Having confidence, verse 21, in your obedience. I know you're going to obey. That's a good thing, eh? You help the guy answer the question. I know you're going to obey, right? Yeah. I wrote you knowing that you will do even more than I say. I like this next one. Meanwhile, prepare a guest room for me. Oh, boy, he's even asking for more. I thought, wait a minute, that's the third guest room in the Bible. First one, Elijah. Second one, for Elisha. And now for Paul. That'll be a message, preaching on a guest room. The gift of hospitality. But meanwhile, prepare a guest room for me. For I trust through your prayers I shall be granted to you. Now all these, uh, these names... We're going to read now. They're in the Colossian epistle. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, greets you. Now, Epaphras belonged to that church. If you go to Colossians chapter 4, I think it's verse 12. I'm not going to read. You know what it says? He's writing to the church. Philemon's there. He says, by the way, Epaphras is with me. Epaphras. You know what it says? He wrestles for you in prayer. That would be good to have a prayer room and call it Epaphras room. Because there's praying and there's praying and then there's, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and against the rulers of wickedness in heavenly places. That's what it says. So Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ greets you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. By the way, you want to look at that name, Demas? Do you remember anything about him? He's a fellow laborer, right? You know what we read the next time his name is mentioned? You know what it says? It says, Demas 
has forsaken me, having loved this present world. That's Demas. Excuse me. If people got to know the Lord, their sins were forgiven. They were baptized in water. And somehow, for whatever reason, they stop, they give up. And usually, usually, it doesn't happen like that. First, you stop reading. You stop private praying. You miss church every so often. Then you miss a bit more. And then you miss a bit more. Then you don't even remember that you miss church. And then it's not even part of your thing anymore. You have a whole new group of friends. And you're having a great time. But what you don't realize, because the devil blinds you, is that you may be 20 or 30, but one day you're going to be 60 or 70 if you get there. And maybe 80 if you get there. And then death's going to come. And what are you going to do? You have no savior. You have no deliverer. You have no advocate who will stand by your side and plead your case. You have just a fearful awaiting to be judged by the hands of, a, of an awesome God, to be separated from God for all of eternity. For what? For what? Want to hear one story? It'll take a minute. We, when we were in Boston, there was this African lady that became friends of ours, and it was an amazing, she had an amazing story, amazing story. I can't tell it all. She's dying. This is a part of the story. She's dying. She's on the operating room. She feels that her, her spirit left her. As it leaves her, she sees her spirit hovering over the earth. And she looks down. She sees the operating table. She sees the doctors operating on her body. But she sees the world like ashes and coal and nothing good. And in her mind, she's thinking, why would I give up eternity with God for this? And, she come, and, and, she, and, and then she's back in her body and... And, and she, she comes out of the operation, but she remembers what she dreamt, or whatever it was. And I never forgot it. I would exchange eternity with the Lord for this. Demas forsake me, forsook me. The last verse. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life and we want to hear it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westonroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.